Welcome to Covenant Church's Sermon Discussion. This conversation happens most Wednesdays on Facebook Live between me, Michelle Lichty, the Communication Director at Covenant, and the Preaching Pastor from the previous Sunday. If you haven't already, I recommend listening to the sermon before listening to our discussion. Well, good afternoon and welcome to our sermon discussion. I am Michelle Lichty and I'm here today with David Henderson. How are you all? Good to have you here with us today, David. We are talking about your sermon this past Sunday, Honoring One Another from James chapter 4, verses 11 and 12. And um, before we went live, you said, well, Robin Brentley thought there was a lot in this sermon. And I said, well, and I thought, well, yeah, there was a lot in this sermon. And um, and then I looked down at my notes and I went, where do I even begin? <laughs> Well, yeah, I think there is a whole lot here. And, and that observation that I had just shared with you that I think is just really important to acknowledge. Um, I realize there's been a lot of earnestness for me in my preaching related, particularly these passages that have to do with speaking. And I shared with you, first of all, as I, as I and as we have spent all this time in the book of James this spring, I have been struck by how much this matters to James. I mean, as I as I shared in this, there are about six different places in this short letter where he is really intentionally addressing how we speak to one another and about one another. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and then what that reiterated for me is how much this matters to God. Mm-hmm. And I, I just have had this sense, and maybe this has to do in part with some of the you know, last 20 year rise of social media, rise of political polarization, some of that kind of stuff. It it has felt for me like the evangelical church in general in the U.S., not covenant, but in general, has just kind of felt like, yeah, but that doesn't really apply to me or to us. If we're if we're speaking in the service of truth, don't we kind of just have a past? Don't we? Can't we just say pretty much whatever we want? And because we're going to be forgiven uh, by Jesus for everything we do, and because we're supposed to be forgiven by our brothers and sisters, can't we kind of just say what, blurt out whatever comes to our heads? And so I I think I've been, uh, that has brought a gravity to these messages for me that I'm aware mm-hmm. of. Uh, because I I think this is something the Lord is saying, what comes out of our mouth? matters a whole whole lot oh yes i'm with you on that like i do think that um this message you know as i'm reflecting on my life i've heard that before over and over and over again right like it matters what you say what you say matters how you say it matters it all matters and yet (laughs) going through the book of james this winter spring has it has brought it to a, I think maybe even a deeper level, a higher level, like at the same time, right? Like, oh, wow, a deeper level because uh, what am I thinking leads to what I am saying, right? So deeper level, I need to do some business with my heart and make sure my heart posture is correct. And then at a higher level, like the standard is really high. And I've never, ever, ever been more grateful for the Holy Spirit than oh, this true? spring. Yeah. 
Yeah, and we've talked about this before, but um, the uh, I keep coming back to it because it has been so important to me in the fruit of the spirit. It goes talks about all these things that should characterize us, and I'm convinced that almost all those words will find expression in our speech: love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. Well, that last one, self-control, doesn't say self-control. It mm. says inner mastery, and I think we are to understand that as and all the other ways that we will experience God being the master of our interior. Those mm. things will show up when he masters us from the inside out, as well as a lot of other things. So th that quality of inner mastery, of God mastering us, mm -hmm. yes, in our speech, mm -hmm. this is, we can't, we can't do this. James mm -hmm. is clear in, in the first 12 verses of chapter 3. There's, there's no way we can control our tongues out of our own effort. It has to be the work of the Spirit in the moment and the sanctifying work of the Spirit changing our hearts so that it's a clear spring uh, from which we speak rather than a muddy cistern. Right, right. I think um, as, I've, as I'm thinking about the sermon and about the discussion we had in our community group on Sunday after the sermon, I'm thinking about some of the definitions that you talked about mm -hmm. on Sunday morning that might be helpful just as a reminder mm -hmm. for people. Um, one of the definitions I found really helpful, um, which at some level matters and at some level doesn't really matter because they're both wrong, <laughs> is slander and gossip. What's the mm -hmm. difference between slander and gossip? And um, you said that slander is something that's untrue that affects another person's reputation. Right. And causes hurt. Yep. And causes hurt. And gossip is something that is true that affects someone's reputation and causes hurt. Right. Yeah. And, and then I went on to share how Kierkegaard uh, goes in this lengthy section in his book, Works on Love, of saying, Somehow we think we are absolved if what we pass on is true information that, you know, I'm, mm, I'm, mm -hmm. uh, that I'm just, I'm just speaking truth, not, and, and, and how often do we pass on something that is actually true that puts a person in a bad light, bad light, or calls their motives into question or whatever else it is. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, I think that that is a helpful distinction. Mm -hmm. Another distinction that I talked about was, well, first of all, one of the things I said is that uh, I picked up how James notices that slander, which is really wider than slander, as you just said, it's anything, mm -hmm. any way that we speak against someone else in a way that puts them in a bad light and causes hurt. Um, so that it's that broad speaking against whenever you find that you will find hand in hand with that, a spirit of judgment. And mm. so one of the other distinctions that I made was there is a kind of judging that we are called to do. And this is kind of surprising for Christians to see where we're actually supposed to judge. Um, and then there is another kind of judging that we're absolutely not supposed to do. And the first kind of judging is probably a better word for it is discerning. And it's the same word. Um, and the root word, krino in Greek is to separate. So this right. is where what you're doing is separating out what is right from what's wrong? What's good from what's bad? What's appropriate from what's not appropriate? So you're you're sorting out behavior on a, a moral grid. Mm -hmm. And 
Uh, and we are called to do that. And we're called to do that as we try to identify who should serve in the church and who should teach. And also uh, as we um, uh, seek to address places where a person's faith and life aren't consistent, um, particularly if that's done willfully and flagrantly in the life of the church. So Paul says, no, we're supposed to exercise judgment in those areas. Right. But, but what we're not supposed to do is separate ourselves from the person who does wrong. And that's that other kind of quality of judging, not separating right from wrong, which we are to do, but separating ourselves from the wrongdoer. And Jesus is so clear we're not to do that. And he models something so different from that. Um, so that was right. where I went to the, um, <clears throat> the the passage in Romans that where Paul sets up the opposite of accept and judge. The word mm -hmm. accept is this two-part word of move towards someone else and then draw that person towards you. And judging is the opposite impulse to pull back from the person who has offended us or wronged us or who we don't like or whatever, and to push them away from us. Right. So that's kind of the ultimate picture of the judging we're not to do is pulling back from others who cause us offense or have wronged us and push them away from us. Right. At some level, right? Like, I mean, at most levels, but also God's not calling us into abusive relationships. Right, of course. And I think um, all scripture is to be balanced by the truth of other scripture. Right. I don't, I don't know that there's any portion of scripture you can take um, and just say that alone. Don't have to consider context. Don't have to consider what other truths there are that offset or right. balance or inform it. So absolutely, right. that's right. true. Yes. Um, and yeah, and um, you know, in our com in our conversation on Sunday morning and in our community group, someone said, "Well, but I can't like if the person is is like if." they come into a situation and then they leave and they cause all this hurt and, and anxiety and problems. Like I can't deal with the person who's left because they're not there anymore. Um, you know, cause they're not in proximity with, with where the problems are and all, you know, just on and on and on, like coming up with all these scenarios. And I'm, and I said, well, what this passage is really about is about us, right? Like, it's about me and my heart towards that person who caused all the, the problems and the destruction of relationships or whatever. Like, what's my attitude towards them? And I think it's in Romans, it says, as, as far as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Well, it's not my responsibility to make sure that you, David, are have the right heart posture attitude towards me, right? That's not my responsibility. My responsibility is to, no matter what your hot heart posture is, mine is reflecting the Holy Spirit and, and God's love towards you. Yeah. I think that's exactly right, Michelle. And uh, some, uh, Sharon came across something and she shared this with me and I just thought it was great. Uh, she, she said, you know, Something we can do, um, and and this sounds wrong, but something we can do, even with someone who has abused us, hmm. who has profoundly wronged us, is to ask for God to bless them. Hmm. I, it, it doesn't mean I have to like them. It doesn't, but it's it is in the most important place of 
of all, which is before God, my heart is to move towards that other person and to draw them in. Now, there are relationships where it's not appropriate for me to do that, but I can still ask that God, who always does that with everyone, would move towards them and draw that person into himself. And Mm -hmm. that is a way that my own heart can get rightly lined up, even if I'll never interact with that person again. Mm -hmm. Um, What I'm carrying around in my heart is a desire for God's best for that person instead of uh, God, won't you stomp that person flat or uh, help me to never see them again? Um, (laughs) I've forgiven them, but I sure don't want to see their face again, you know, whatever. Um, And I think to ask that uh, uh, God's blessing on a person can, um, and that that has been significant for Sharon and me as, as people have said hard things or whatever to, to just be able to say, we ask God's blessing in our heart to say, we ask God's blessing on you and to say that at times to the person. Yeah. And I think that, um, (laughs) talk about a sacrifice, right? Like a sacrifice of praise. Like this is, this is a sacrifice for us to do this, to have that, um, attitude to ask God for the, his blessings on that person, whether or not we ever speak to them again, that's still a sacrifice on our part. And it can feel like I can't do this. And that, and that's when I think over time, as we pray that prayer towards those who've hurt us, God changes us on the inside. Oh yeah. Into a a Jesus-like person. I mean, when you, when I say those words describing blessing somebody who has wronged you, harmed you, hurt you, uh, offended you, it's like, that's ridiculous. There's gotta be a line. What, you know, and I, that, that response is present in all of us. How in the world well, the way in the world we're invited to do that is by just modeling our lives after Jesus. I mean, I think, I, I kind of think if somebody were driving spikes in through my wrist, I might say something like, how dare you, instead of something like, mm. Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. You know, his uh, he had every reason to take offense in that moment and to respond in anger. And his response was one of blessing and love to people who are... Um, Talk about abuse. I mean, the ultimate, they're taking his life and, and mm. still he responded in love. So I, the, um, it's, it is absurd, except for the fact that the one who is our savior and our king happened to live this and to live it perfectly and mm. invites us to follow in his pattern. That when, it says in First Peter, when people um, attacked him, he didn't attack back, but he was silent and he entrusted them into the hand or himself into the hands of the one who judges all things justly. Mm. Yeah, there's such a radical, I think this is where we tend to do this asterisk thing where we think, right, yeah, it's (laughs) biblical truth, I get it, but, and then we have all these caveats where we say, but not in this situation, certainly not if this line got crossed, certainly not if the person said or did this, or is doing this kind of behavior, and then we have Mm. all of these places where we feel entitled to lash out with our tongue or to say something to someone else um, and and I think that's part of what why James and this passage of James are so challenging. Mm. Lord yes. help us, indeed. Lord help us, and that's I mean, and that's the that's the bottom line question of is trust. Like, who do I trust? Do I trust? Like, yeah, do I trust God? Um, let's see. Do we trust God to mete out justice? 
We yes. want mercy for ourselves, but we don't necessarily want to give it out. We want the yes. mulligans for ourselves. Yeah. We don't want to give them out. Right. Yeah, and I think that is a huge question. You know, I think it's so helpful to see the cross. And sometimes I, I think um, I think for all human beings, the concept, at least, of the love of God is more easily grasped than the concept of the holiness and justice of God. Mm -hmm. And I think it's so helpful for us. You know, it's been the practice of the church for centuries to have pictures of Jesus on the cross or the cross to without Jesus on it, just as a, as a, as a something to meditate or focus on, reflect on. So what was going on there? And in Romans, chapter five, it talks about how that's an expression of the love of God. In Romans chapter three, it talks about how it's an expression of the holiness of God. So mm -hmm. both, both almost like the cross beams, the, the love of God and the justice of God, both find perfect expression on the cross. And I think if we were to reflect more on what was happening on the cross, we would realize that God's judgment is being fully meted out it happens to be being born by his son. Um, and we have the promise that at the end of time, the promise and also the startling reality that all of us will have to face God, those who know Jesus and those who don't, okay. and give answer for our lives. So the, there's not, it, the fact that justice is, is, is either placed on the cross or deferred until we stand before God in the final judgment doesn't mean that God is not to be trusted for our justice. And, and for our mercy. Right. And for our grace. Right. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> oh man. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It is um it is convicting and and um and and easy to forget how powerful our words are. I like what you said that they, they're like power tools they can be powerful and super helpful in constructing and also can be super destructive very quickly. Yeah. And it's that very quickly part that I think we often miss the oops moment where suddenly we go from things were fine to things are really not fine just because of those couple yeah. of words that came out of my mouth. Yeah. Right. And, and so I, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, and so then there's a, um, I don't know if we want to get into this, but there is a way when we have those oops moments, when we see those, when we hear those words coming out of our mouth, there is a way to rectify that. Yeah. Yeah. And in fact, I think, Michelle, that hopefully brings us towards kind of the end of the message where I just said, I, I really think that God intends that, that we would do the, the, the scriptures spell out for us what to do when we feel hurt or offended or wronged by someone. And they spell out for us what to do when we have wronged someone else, which is so helpful. I mean, these practical steps do this. So okay. the first thing we do when someone wrongs us is we take it to God. And I think God often intends that that would be the last thing we do, that, that we work out grace and forgiveness in our hearts towards that person, and we never have to go to them. Love covers over a multitude, not just of oopses, but of sins. 
Um, mm. And I think that means there will be many things we never bring to the person who has offended us. We just bring it to God. If there is something needs to be said, we take that only to that person and not to anybody else. Matthew 6, um, or Matthew 18, um, mm-hmm. if the person is wrong, do you go to them? And the only time you bring someone else in is if they haven't heard you or they persist in, in the hurt that they cause or don't, don't accept responsibility. And then you bring someone else in alongside just to help you have that conversation with that person, not to, not to slander or, or gossip. And then the third thing is this posture of accepting where I choose to treat you as though this wrong that happened or this offense that I feel has been hidden behind my back and I can move towards you and draw you in towards me as though there was never anything wrong. And then if I mess up, I go to you, man, I'm so sorry. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I see now how inappropriate and wrong that was. That must've caused so much hurt. I'm really sorry and I ask for forgiveness and, um, and so that's a time where we always go to the other person. We don't say, well, God, your grace covers that. But if we are aware that we wronged someone, we go to them. Right. Yeah. And I'm, I'm just thinking of, uh, I'm just reminded in this moment of a very, it seems a little simple and, and kind of silly, but it was really a turning point in a relationship with one of my friends. Um, we were getting just kind of getting to know each other for a while and um and her son had a has a peanut allergy and she came to my house one day and and um and she came in left her son in the car i mean this happened years and years ago and and then the next few days later she called me and she said michelle i just want to let you know that i feel really hurt by what I saw in your house on, you know, when I was there and I was like, what, what? I have no idea. Mm-hmm. And she said, you know, you're feeding your kids lunch and there was an open jar of peanut butter on the counter. Mm-hmm. And it just, it felt like you were leaving a, a gun and loaded gun on the counter wow. for my son. And wow. I was like, okay, that's extreme. But fortunately the Holy spirit in that moment allowed me to say, I'm so sorry. I never intended to hurt you. I never intended for you to feel that way. And I will make a concerted effort in the future when I know you're coming to make sure that they, mm. everyone's hands are washed, that the peanut butter is put away, that the counters are wiped down and that there's no danger for your son um, so that he can feel welcome in my house. And that her willingness to come to me and say how she felt changed like it, it, change the course of our relationship mm. because if she had not said that to me i would have no opportunity to apologize to her and to tell her the actions i would have taken to help her feel welcome and in, in my home um and then we would have never we would probably not still be friends today right so, she would have just pulled back and right and you would have felt it in the air but it would never have been said yeah yeah, and I, I, I would think, have not uh, known what I had done to offend her. Right. Yeah, I think even in our relationship, there have been times we've each had to ask one another's forgiveness or have uh, brought something to one another, and we've worked that through. And I love how easily and freely we can do that. And then it's just not between us, and we can go on together uh, or uh, go on you know, forward together, but but with a deeper knowing of one another and with a greater exactly. love for each other. And then a um, a 
an ability to love each other better in the future based on those conversations. Um, yeah, I love how yeah. doing it the biblical way actually can draw you closer to the person. Exactly. Yeah. And I think the other thing that um, is behind all of this, two, two things that is so helpful in this, I just go back to your comment, you know, thank God for the Holy Spirit, for his Holy Spirit. <laughs> um, we are going to mess up. Mm-hmm. And we've talked before about the idea of not allowing, refusing to allow someone messing up to be fatal to our friendship or our relationship with them. Um, and and because of the biblical patterns for working through when you've hurt someone or they've hurt you, because of those great patterns that are so healthy, um, we blowing it does not have to be fatal. And I think, uh, and can be something that moves us forward closer together in the future. And I mm-hmm. also think, you know, we can we can just elevate one another to too high of a position in each other's lives. And mm. the reality is that there is one perfect person who exists. And it's not me, and it's not you, and it's not anybody listening, and it's not anybody else who inhabits the planet with us. It's God. Right, and right. we will always disappoint each other. And which is never an excuse to stop trying or whatever, but um, we will always disappoint each other. And I think the the one of the grace gifts of that reality is the perfection of the love of God and care for us as a friend gets highlighted all the more. And our kids get to discover that when we blow it and ask their forgiveness. Our friends get to be reminded of that when we blow it and ask their forgiveness. Mm-hmm. That there's one person who will satisfy us and fulfill us fulfill us and bring rest and peace to our soul for whom we were in whom we were made to find those things and for whom we were made to live and that's him and then we get to live out all the rest of our relationships in the light of who he is and with reference to him Mm. hence constantly blowing it constantly extending forgiveness back and forth to each other and moving forward together in the name of jesus Yes. And it's easy to say, and with the, with the strength of the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit, we can live it out. We can yes. do it. Yes. Right. Right. More and more. More and um, more. Yes. Yep. Never yep. perfectly, but more and more. Yeah. The Christian yes. life can be lived and is meant to be lived. Yes. We'll never do it perfectly, but the focus on grace and forgiveness doesn't mean we just have permission to opt out of of doing the hard work of living out our sanctification in Christ. Right. Yeah. Oh, goodness. All right. Right. Big breath. It's like, okay, this is a lot, but God's grace is more. And that is true. God's grace is more. And thank God for that. Yeah. So any last thoughts? Well, I I, th- I guess the uh, I think this is a note I ended with on uh, second service. Um, this is how we do it in our family. This is, um, mm. you know, I think as we keep growing and learning what it means to live a life of love, I th- mm-hmm. think it is right for us to think that that's going to show up pretty obviously in the way we speak to one another. And I think it is. I love in First Thessalonians where Paul says, essentially, 
keep doing it. You're already loving each other so beautifully. Mm. Just keep doing it and do it more. And I would say the same thing to our church family. You're already loving each other beautifully in the way that you speak of each other and to each other. And and as you speak as followers of Jesus out in the community, keep doing it. And may we grow more and more in uh, allowing our mouths to be one of the instruments that God uses to make his love known uh, Mm -hmm. with each of those that we interact. Amen. I think that's a great place to end. So thank you very much, David, for joining me today. Thank you, Michelle. And thank you to our audience, whether you've joined us live on Facebook or later on our blog or on our podcast. We're grateful for the few moments you spent with us today. And may God continue to be glorified. May God be glorified as we love Jesus, love his people, and pour out his love on the world. Amen. Amen. Thanks, Michelle. Thank you.